like what what happens when you lay these cards out and how do you how do you look at them and how do you think about them and get that larger interpretation from it oh man what a difficult question <laughs> <laughs> So the, the, the interpretation process is not something that you necessarily need. Like, I'm not saying you need this deck and you need this spread. The, the, we've now gotten to the part that can be applied to anything. I used to give people readings with their Magic the Gathering decks all the time. If you look at the history of divination, there are, it's, it, it is anything, you know, like the shape of clouds, bumps on a liver, bumps on your head, bumps on your tongue, the color of your tongue. You can interpret anything because it's the figuring out. That's where the that's where the magic occurs. It's when you yeah. It's when you sort of consciously engage in that moment of uh, understanding, subjective understanding, that you yeah. start to learn something about yourself that you wouldn't necessarily get otherwise. And that is just a process of imagination. I, I mean, so you kind of just throw things at the wall until they stick in to, to a degree. This is a very good guide for all of this is Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance and uh, Lilla. It's, it's a real funny story, but basically the story of it is there's this guy who's kind of frittered around in life and he's just teaching rhetoric at a college in Bozeman, Montana, and he doesn't care about that. And one day somebody comes into his classroom and just says, I hope you're teaching your students quality and walked out. And so he's like, huh, am I? What is that? And eventually worked so hard on that problem that he had to get electroshock therapy to change his personality into someone <laughs> that wasn't like abandoning his wife and child and like running her naked through the streets. And like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, he get to the end of the book and he's like, so quality can't be defined. And then he writes a whole other book where he's like, that was bullshit. <laughs> Man, but quality is something that's extremely hard to define. And that's all, that's all interpretation is, is like taking these symbols and trying to find the quality of them that allows them to fit together. So the end of Lilla, where he's actually really trying to nail that down, he looks at it linguistically, which somebody once said, you can always tell that the theory stinks when it just, when it goes down to etymologies. But he, he chases it all down to this proto-Indo-European syllable, RT. This is the first word that means quality. And if we look at the dispersion of this throughout language today, you can kind of get a sense of, of the thing we're chasing when we're trying to find quality. And it's RT is right, it's arithmetic, art, aristocracy. All these are, are words that come out of this RT consonant blend. In, in Greek, it's arete. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's Aristotelian virtue. Piercing chases it all to arete, and then he's like, let me take that one step further. Because arete is kind of, he's like, eh, what is this? This is still kind of like, I know it when I see it, pornography kind of thing. Uh, but by busting it down to just RT and then finding in everywhere that you find RT, he's like, okay, okay. 
I have a big picture of what this vague thing is. The reason the quality is so hard to define is it lies up in that Atzalith world, which is where everything means everything. And to enter that world is the annihilation of the self. It's like you can't know it if you exist. But by busting it down to this, just this RT thing and of finding all the little places it is, you can kind of get the, the projection of it down here into these denser, ever increasingly more high-like worlds. So that's what we're having to deal with when we're interpreting things. To that end, like I remember one time giving a reading to a person and that, that was early on in the deck's history. So my process at that point was just tell the person what this, this position means and then read a bunch of words, the word salad that I had been working on that went with each card. And then I would start to like say, okay, so these words in this position, what does that, what is that describing to me? And what I was describing to the guy, he was like, that makes no sense to me. I don't understand that in my life at all. So I had to back up and dive in again. And I think that's valid. With dogmatic tarot pursuits, if you're wrong, that's a liability. And this is actually very true of dogmatic science as well. If you're wrong, you're not going to be able to get money for your funding to continue your, your experiments. But when it's Gnostic, it's okay to, to be wrong. Uh, because to a degree, Gnosis is, Gnosis is a thing that's given. This is ideas that, like, I'm just looking and saying what I see. This is my experience of it. Like, if it doesn't jive with your Gnosis of it, then I can just shift my perspective of my experience of it and describe this new version of it to you and see if this is a trajectory between the two of us. The most basic criticism of divination, whether it's like astrology or tarot or palm reading or whatever, it gets seen as this kind of like cold reading. You sense something about this person and you throw some stuff at the wall mm -hmm. and you maybe throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and you see what sticks. And eventually there's going to be some kind of universal aspect to what you're saying. It, it will be universal enough that almost anybody who hears that will be able to identify with it. And that's seen as a criticism if you're thinking about this stuff as a woo-woo, specious, huckster trick that mm -hmm. doesn't actually mean anything. But it's never about the universe being laid out in front of you as it is, like in, in an objective sense. It's about you looking at what's in front of you and understanding the universe inside of you <laughs> in, <laughs> instead of trying to... Uh, try trying to get at some like objective version of reality, you're only ever going to get that subjective sense of yourself. And that can be immensely valuable, but you have to be looking for that out of it. <laughs> you can't look for, tell me my future, tell me how many kids I'm going to have and if I'll become rich or whatever, because that ultimately doesn't mean anything to you. Or, or maybe it will eventually mean something to you, but it becomes, at that point, it's more about your desire. Do you want to have kids? Do, right. do, do you want to make a lot of money? And why do you want that? And what does that do for you? This deck is kind of useless to tell, like, tell your future, how many kids am I going to have? Because this model, this noetic model, all of the futures happen. 
you're experiencing this line of duration, but the whole purpose of this is to get you to experience many durations at once and expand how many durations you're experiencing and to realize that what you do experience is part of a spectrum with what you don't experience and what you could never imagine experiencing, that it's all part of the same thing. The universes where you don't have any kids are part of the universes where you have one kid, two kid, three kids and adopts and what have you. Like they're all part of the same thing. The demons of the Goetia are used to symbolize that concept in the deck. You can see them on the card Ego uh, or uh, the Chapel of the Damned, uh, which is a riff on Charles Ford's Damned Things, which are the facts that just aren't true now, but that become true later on. Like when you go from thinking that the the sun moves around the earth, it's a damned thing to say that the earth goes around the sun and then they switch places. So yeah, the demons of the Goetia are those selves which didn't come into, into being and the hell of them is the guilt that the person who had two kids or started a business or didn't kill that guy didn't come into being. With the spread, you're getting that Penrosian smearing. Exactly. Of possibility. And yeah, you're trying to reach out to them and participate to, to harmonize with them. This is all kind of covered in that shoot position. Like it's connecting, shoot is other in terms of a complete other awarenesses, but it's also other in terms of the yous that aren't, the, that aren't part of your rent, the, the yous that aren't you enough. There's this Twitter account that I follow called Chaos Prime. I, I have no idea who it is or, or what they're into, but shout out to Chaos Prime. And they, they tweeted something this week that I thought was really interesting. And they prefaced it with saying, this is probably not true. Whenever you're trying to like set something on fire with your mind or like having, having this like traditional, obvious uh, kind of cartoon version of a magical experience uh-huh. uh, and it doesn't happen, there are worlds in which it does happen. Like right. the reason that it doesn't happen is because you live in the reality where it didn't work. The, the trick to, to make setting something on fire with your mind is not thinking hard enough about something being on fire. It's about being enough in harmony with your other selves that more than 50% of your possible selves are going to set that thing on fire with their mind. <laughs> right. And so right. That, that's when you get to have that kind of um, whatever cartoon magic experience is when, when enough of you is in harmony with itself to make that happen. They put it out there. It's like, this probably isn't true. But when I was thinking, I was like, I think that might be true. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that there, that's totally a valid way of looking at noetic density rather than manipulating reality, you're trying to harmonize yourself with the noosphere. You're trying to harmonize with yourself, yourself with the breadth of possible reality. So there's one way, that's one way of looking at it. A very willful way is getting enough of yourselves to agree that you can be in the universe where the miraculous occurs. Another thing though is having the Ren harmonize with the the local shoot like communicating with other people to like 
get everybody to agree that we start fires with our mind and like try to have this massive ontological shift that way to the point where like even if nobody's going around starting fires with their mind everybody believes in it enough that it feels like it can happen where is the difference of that experience of like knowing full well that you are capable of starting fires with your mind if you don't ever actually do it doesn't matter you know that you can that's how priests work right we all just agree this guy can say that you don't exist as part of our community or that your baby will survive death this is this is what this is all that money is you know we just agree that now this thing which doesn't even be this bit of code is what means that I can have this banana. Going back to the, the practical experience of reading the nod in the spread is that it's not about any particular uh, method of saying like, this always means this in this case to everybody. It means, well, if you look at it this way and like in, in good faith, if we're putting these cards down and we're looking at them and thinking about them deeply, then there's a good chance you're going to see something of yourself in this painting, the, the, this picture that's being drawn of you in your current moment. Not very satisfying in a, in a like instructional, here's how you do this <laughs> kind of thing. But I think that that's what we've been getting at over like over over our last few conversations there's not an instruction book for meaningful experience you just have to make it happen and it's an act of intentionality to create meaning for yourself you are supposed to be stepping beyond what you could ever imagine that's why we have this friend it that it's difficult to interpret because it is completely random because if it was just a symbol that you knew, then what you would be reading from it is something that you already know. Like you have to stretch yourself to say, well, how the hell does Godzilla have to do with what's happening to me physically? I don't see Godzilla. Like the, the stretching of figuring out like what rapid mutation would mean in your life or and there's an inspiration aspect to it too. Like of whatever part of the card is jumping out at you, you're going to concentrate on that. And then clearly that has some meaning to you. Why in the context of this, like that's just the process of it, but it is stepping beyond what you already know. So it's hard to tell you how to do that. You know, we, we that's why you. vulnerability is the name of the card that describes this in order to do it. You have to be, vulnerable you have to hazard a guess which means that you have to open yourself up to the possibility of whoever you're reading for or for yourself to say no that doesn't make any sense and then and then all you do is you back up and you try again you still get the experience of a leap of faith in this situation you know we talked before about how uh this traditional idea of tarot is something that you just you just gotta buy into it and mm -hmm. You're not going to understand all of it and you're just going to experience if you're if you're open and if you take the leap you'll experience something special um in in this process and what we're saying is if you 
open yourself to your own experience and the possibility of your own experience. I mean, in some ways it is gauging in a universal unknown, but only insofar as you contain the universal unknown within sure. yourself and within your the, the scope of possible experience that you may have. Another, another note that I think is important in, uh, uh, on interpretation uh, and, and change, this, this kind of, you know, this idea that you can be wrong and, and, and all of that leap, part of that leap into the abyss. Uh, I also, I don't stay consistent as I interpret, you know, I start from a point and keep going and allow it to develop. And there's definitely a drift over time, even if somebody didn't say, no, that's wrong. Like I'll say, or maybe this and also this and arrive at a destination because it's a journey. You're, you're, you're traveling through the, the spread in each individual car, you're traveling through it. So don't worry about being, in, about being consistent, you know, contradict yourself as you go and, and just don't even worry about it. That, that's part of it because where you arrive in the end, what you tell them isn't the end of the interpretation of the spread. They, what they interpret from of what you told them is where the interpretation ends. You know, you're you just handing that ball off to them, and they're going to touch score the touchdown. As with any art, you know, like it, it, when it's received by the audience, that's when the creation of the art is finished. Allowing that kind of drift, allowing change. Uh, to happen over the course of the interpretation. I think those are essential. That's the magic. Thanks for watching. Give us a like and subscribe to The Nod on YouTube. You can also find us as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And if you want to stay up to date with the Noetic Oracular deck and be notified when it's available for pre-order, be sure to sign up for our mailing list. The link is in the description.